This is Matthew Hester, Senior Pastor at Dominion Church. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Dominion Church podcast experience. Our podcast aims to deliver truth from God's Word concerning His kingdom and your righteous identity as His beloved child. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and do share it with a friend. We pray that you are blessed, challenged, and changed by what you're about to hear. All right, thank you so much for joining us here at Dominion Church. Uh, If you're watching on Facebook, go ahead and like and share this so others can be blessed as a result. Maybe you're watching on YouTube at Dominion Church SC. Again, like and subscribe to that so you can get notified when we have new videos, which we basically post weekly. Or maybe you're listening to our messages on the Dominion Church podcast experience. Take it with you wherever you go. The point is you're joining us, and we're so grateful. Now, do me a favor. If you can make it to one of our meetings, uh, I would love that too. Right now, we meet at 1 o'clock at the historic Taylor Mill. And so you can come, grab yourself a bite of lunch before you come to service. And we'd love to see you, be able to worship with you in person, pray for you, minister to you. That'd be wonderful. Uh, And so here we are, uh, September the 18th. This is National Back to Church Sunday uh, here in the States. And, uh, you know, it's just an encouragement for people to come on back to church. Doesn't doesn't matter how long you've been away. Doesn't matter why you haven't been. Just come on back and let's get together and see what's up. And so it's funny uh, in, in kind of preparing for today, a lot of churches are like, well, what you need to do is just need to teach people how they need to get locked back in and they need to need to become a part of a local church. And, and I was thinking, well, I think most people know that if they're coming back to church. Uh, and so um, I can't change who we are, okay? And so I would feel if I did a message like that, and nothing wrong with that, I'd feel like if I did a message like that, that it would not be who we are as a ministry. And so in the praise and worship we did today, I don't know if you recognize there was kind of a recurring theme. And part of that theme was discovering who God is, uh, the truth about God, right? And uh, I love that new song uh, by Israel Houghton called Wrong About You. Man, that song, I've been playing that thing on repeat now for, well, since it it released, I think it released like 10 days ago. Uh, But so good. Things I used to believe. I used to believe you were angry. I used to believe that if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. That's how a lot of us feel about God. And, uh, but I just, I want to encourage you, that's not the truth. And so what I want to share a little bit here uh, for, for the time we have is God's final word. God's final word is Jesus. And I would even say it's his first and final word. The first and final word on who God is, what you believe about God, your expectations about God, they all have to be measured and filtered through the person of Jesus. You know, um, I have pastors often They'll text me, hey, I'm going to preach on this text. What do you think about it? I'm going to preach on these verses. What do you think about it? And God bless it. You know, some of it, I'm just like, why in the world would you preach on that? That's, that's some scary verses you're pre- preaching on right now. And, and again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sense of these images of God, especially in the Old Testament, that don't look like Jesus, right? You ever stopped and think, you know, think about that? You know, like where God's like, I mean, men say, God says, kill women, children, animals. And they're like, all right, God said it, let's do it. Or about Abraham, God's like, I want you to kill your son. All right, let's go do it. It just, it feels strange, it feels weird. And then you get up to Jesus, and he says, no man has seen, seen God and lived, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
And then we're told Jesus is the exact image and the perfect representation of his father. So then here's a question I want to help you guys out. Anytime you read something in the Old Testament that doesn't look like Jesus, pick up Jesus from the new and sit him over there and see if it would change the story. What do I mean by that? So if you see, let's say, Elijah, I'm going to pick a big dog here. You see Elijah, once he's called down fire from heaven, which is really cool, right? When he's done, it says he took up a sword and went and killed all the prophets of Baal. Now, let's put Jesus over there with Elijah. Are y'all okay right now? Are you guys okay watching? Let's put Jesus there with Elijah. Fire comes down, really cool. And Elijah said, I'm going to kill all these prophets. And Jesus is like, no, wait, hold on a second. Bless those that persecute you. Love those that hate you. You, you say an eye for an eye, but I say, oh, oh, wait a second. I say turn the other cheek. Oh. So if you would say, that sounds like that might be more accurate, then we're missing something in our perspective when we look back. If we can't know who God is based on the person of Jesus, we're missing something, okay? So like even David, another example, I'm going to preach on this in a few weeks, the enemy's table. David, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Yeah, but then you, you go fast forward into Matthew, and Jesus basically says you, you don't have any enemies. He doesn't have any enemies. Hmm. Okay. I, I don't want to meddle. So let me just go through the notes a little bit. That'll help me stay on track. So Jesus is the first and final word when it comes to who God is. I'd like to say it this way, you know, the, the more you study Trinity... I believe that when we talk about three and one, one and three, God relates to us that way to help us receive him. Uh, that's what I believe, right? Can I help us out? So when we talk about God, that's how we relate to him as father and creator. When we talk about Jesus, we talk about redeemer, savior, priest, high priest. We talk about Holy Spirit, that's how we receive God indwelling, how we understand him as living in us. They're all the same. They're all the same, three and one, one and three, but we receive and relate differently because it just helps us. Is that, does that make sense at all? So we have two different introductions to Jesus. The first one is in Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, and that's the one we're all familiar with because we preach it at Christmas time, Okay. So we have the Gospel of Matthew. It begins, we see the equivalent of a lavish introduction to the main event. Angelic visitations begin to break out, and the voice of God is being heard again. Now I say heard again because we have no record that he spoke for 300 years up until the Gospel of Matthew. He went silent, okay? And I believe part of it was because he was tired of being misrepresented. That's what I believe. So he's speaking again, and it's not isolated, I mean, it's like, it's not just the prophet is hearing from God now. The heavens open. Shepherds are hearing angelic news. I mean, anyone that's listening, they're hearing the sound. What? Unto you this day is born a Savior. Right? So there's excitement. There's hope in the air. God's nature is about to be reclaimed. His nature is about to be reclaimed. His heart is about to be seen again for what it had always been. Jesus is on the scene. My Father is clearly seen in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 14, 9. Hebrews declares, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Furthermore, he is the exact representation of his nature. God, right now, is speaking primarily through the person and the work of Jesus. The two are exactly alike. Jesus is not in conflict with God. Are you hearing me? He's not in conflict with the God of the Old Covenant. See, somewhere in our perspective, we felt like, well, God was allowed to change his nature because there was different covenants in play. But if a covenant with God can change his nature, it gives the covenant more power than him. Megan and I are in covenant, right, as a married couple. But if she said, hey, I don't like them, go kill them, I'd say, I love you, but I'm not going to honor that. <laughs> We're in covenant, but that's not going to change my nature. Are you all okay? Okay, all right. And so we use the same imagery with God, right? He's married to Israel. And so Israel's enemies come along, and they're like, kill them, God. And he's like, well, I guess I better. We're in covenant. Well, I don't know. Maybe not, right? Okay, anyway, can't get any help right now. That's okay. This is good. This is good stuff. Jesus is the pure revelation of the God we see in the old covenant. Isn't it interesting how so much of our veiled understanding of God pits itself, Jesus, against the Father. And that's what a lot of our Easter Sundays have turned into, right? Jesus gets up on the cross. God basically put him there because he was mad at all of us. You guys, you've heard this before, right? You ever heard this on Easter? The reason Jesus died was because God was mad at us, and Jesus got in the way of God so we could be saved. The re There's lots of reasons that's problematic. <laughs> the primary one is none of it's biblical, right? Because we're told that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. There's no distance and separation between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So how can one part of God turn himself on the other part of God? It's because we've missed something. We're, we're making stuff up. That's right. You said it in a word. Nonsense, right? If Jesus healed everyone who came to him, and the Father wills people to be sick, well, then we have a divided house. Are you hearing me right now? Listen, I have been in services, big conferences, where I've heard people from the pulpit say, it can be the will of God for your life to have cancer. Well, if you believe God controls all things and therefore causes all things, I would say you're right. But you're wrong. <laughs> Because anytime anyone came to Jesus asking for healing, every, every record was he did. And I love the, the leper that said, if you be willing. And Jesus stopped him and said, I'm willing, before he could ask the question. If you be I'm willing. Yeah, come on. Let, let, let's, let's, let's bring some healing on. If one looks like God and the other doesn't, we're missing something. Okay. There is no house divided in God. Jesus spoke peace to the storm. He did not send storms as a sign of judgment on people groups. 
Are you guys okay? So you see where this gets problematic because it also looks like the church is a house divided. You know, because now a hurricane comes and then the prophets say, oh, that's God judging. And have you ever noticed it only takes a few years here and there before any coastal city is ready to be judged. Can I help you out here? I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, honestly, but can I help you out with this? If you build a city near the coast, that's just your risk. It's not inviting God's judgment to come to you, okay? Listen, God loves New Orleans as much as he loves Kansas City in the middle of the breadbasket. But what's the big difference? Have you noticed the big difference between Kansas City and New Orleans? New Orleans is at the ocean, and unfortunately, it's built sub Sea level. Did you know that? So New Orleans is actually a bowl. What happens when water spills over into a bowl? The bowl fills up. It's not God's judgment on New Orleans. It means somebody needed to put more thought where they started building a city. Maybe we should have moved it back 50 miles. Yeah, okay. Can't get no help right now. Or, <laughs> or when there's an earthquake, well, God hates California. That's why that earthquake, no, it's because there's a fault line there that's been there long before California was a state. Someone should have had some wisdom. Maybe we shouldn't build here because, you know, every 30, 40 years, it could destroy everything we built. It's okay. Are we all right? If you want to understand God, you must find that understanding in Jesus, right? He truly removed the veil once and for all. So 2 Corinthians 3, I'm going to read a few verses here. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 13 through 18. These are so good. We say we. You can say we. This, this includes us. We are not like Moses, We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Wow, that's, that's a mouthful right there. There's a lot that we could jump into in this. But essentially, what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth is this. If you try to know who God is through the veil of the law, you'll never understand his heart or his nature. That's my paraphrase. But if you can behold who God is through the person of Jesus, not only will you begin to recognize the heart and nature of God, you'll be transformed into the same image. Isn't that something? I'll raise my hand for myself, but I want to be transformed into the same image. Right? When you see him, you'll be like him. Now, we all shout. I'm going to just give you some warning. We shout because it feels good, but there's also some parts about who Jesus is that are troublesome. What do I mean troublesome? They're troublesome based on our own desire. 
Because let's be honest, there are sometimes I would like to punch somebody in the head and feel justified. Anybody? But Jesus would say, turn the other cheek. Oh, and I don't know if I want to be transformed into that image. Love those that hate you. Oh, I, I was on board until you said love those that hate you. Right? Pray for those that persecute you. Really? Like what kind of prayers? Can, can, can. Again, we got to go back to David for a minute. You read some of those imprecatory prayers. That's what Varela's like, yeah, that's the prayers. Break their teeth in their mouth, oh God. Tear out their fangs. Make sure that their families don't get to sit, sit in seats of power. Man, I mean, he was praying hardcore stuff. And you know what? God was patient with him. Why? Because God was working with David where he was. He had to correct David a lot. You guys know what I'm talking about. Jesus had to finish the songs of his father, David, more than once, okay? So when we talk about being transformed in the image, I just want to make sure I'm giving you fair warning. It's not all walking on water and turning two fish into thousands of fish and two loaves into thousands of loaves. And it's not always just laying your hands on the sick and watching them recover. Sometimes it means you have to love people that literally hate you. Sometimes it means that you're going to have confrontation with religious spirits, Now, when I say religious spirits, I'm not talking about an empty room that feels cold. I'm talking about people. (laughs) People that when you proclaim the goodness of God, they say, that's not who God is. God's, he wants to judge you based on your actions. He, He is angry with people. He loves everybody except gay people. And all of a sudden, you got to start dealing with, are y'all Okay. Maybe I shouldn't have said gay people. So I should have said something else. He loves everybody but sex workers. He loves everybody but Democrats. Come on, I I can offend somebody here if you give me long enough. No, he loves everybody. And where religion would try to separate and divide, Jesus says, no, just come to me. And you know what? Let's sit down and eat. I think that's the table that David mistranslated. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What David didn't realize was they weren't his enemies. They were David's enemies. He failed to understand what the table was. The table is the same table Jesus prepared. And guess who sat at his table? Drunks and prostitutes and sinners. And he's like, I just, let's, let's eat together. Yeah. So when I say let's be transformed in the image, I just want to make sure you understand. It may not be everything you think. Because the biggest temptation any of us has is we try to make Jesus look like us. In other words, I want him to reflect my prejudice, my hatred, my hang-ups. And Jesus is like, no, I love you and all, but I'm me. (laughs) And you're going to have to transform into my image. I'm not going to transform into yours. Right? Okay. I know that hurts. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) When we understand the nature of God, we see that Jesus is not warring against the Father to reveal a different standard. He is perfectly reflecting and representing the nature of his always good father. This is vital for us to understand since so many believe that Jesus often assumes the role of intervening on our behalf to spare us from the destruction and the calamity that God wants to exact upon us. That is not the case. 
The imagery of a compassionate Jesus that stands in the way of a dispassionate God is a thought that has pervaded the church for quite some time. Is it any wonder that the world thinks the same way? You know, I, I have a lot of friends who don't profess to have a relationship with the Lord. You know, they, they don't go to church, however you want to try to market and, and, and categorize it. But it's interesting, they still think the same way. A lot of us do. You know, something bad will happen. Well, I, you know, God's, he, I shouldn't have done that, and so God's teaching me a lesson. That's so ingrained into our minds. We got to get that out of our system, right? You know, I, I joke about it, but it's, it's not funny because today, I'm sure there are lots of churches in America, they heard something like this at offering time. You need to give your tithe to the Lord because it's holy. And if you don't, his, he's still going to get it. Well, how's he going to get it? Well, you know, you, you might be driving down the road and your car blow up. Your engine goes out. God's still going to get what's his. And I like to say that he has an angel that is not in Scripture, but it's his angel, Vinny. And when you don't give tithes, he sends Vinny to come. And he'll break your leg. He'll blow out your engine. He'll puncture your tires to make sure the Father still gets his tithes and offerings. Now, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. We should give, but it should be connected to love and generosity, not out of fear from a God that we've turned into the God Father instead of God the Father. Some of us, we absolutely need to lose that whole imagery of the God Father. Get it out of your system. Uh, I've, I've got a friend that wrote this book called The Atheistic Theist. And what he said was, he said, as soon as I rejected the Jesus you taught me, I began to find out who Jesus actually was. And you know where most of us learned who Jesus is? Was in church with people that had a messed up idea of who Jesus was. And so let me just say it this way. You're going to have to release some forgiveness because we've all been wrong before. We're all going to be wrong again. And I would just encourage you, find the courage to pursue after the Lord again, right? What you have heard likely was wrong. Are you okay? All right. All right. And so, yeah, I was saying, is it any, any wonder the world thinks this way? They got their theology from us. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we get so upset because of all the violence going on in the world. And I said, well, that violence started in the church. That violence started with a perspective of preaching a violent God, a violent father. And then we get upset when people start acting violent. Well, it's, it's no mystery. Could you imagine, just imagine with me if you will, and we can only imagine it. It's just an exercise for all. Let's say for the last thousand years, the only thing the church preached was this. Jesus loves you. He wants you for himself. You're beloved and approved. And that's all we focused on for the last thousand years. You think things would be different today societally in our nation? I think so. I think so. Is there anything you think you know about God that you can't find in Jesus? And based on, you know, what the answer is to that question, well, then you have every right to question it. Hey, if I believe this, but I know Jesus wouldn't say it or do it or endorse it, well, then I question that. 
I have the right to question it. I love this quote from Bill Johnson out of his book, God is Good. As perfect theology, Jesus illustrates the will of God. He models how life is to be lived, modeling the realities of his kingdom. And what, are the, what is the kingdom? Right? Romans 14, 17. Righteousness, peace, and joy in Holy Ghost. That, that's what it is. In this kingdom, you live by dying. You rise by going low. You receive by giving. Some of the old spiritual fathers would say it's an upside-down kingdom. Because it really is. You don't win in the kingdom by force. You win by stooping down. You win because you have a towel tucked into your belt and you're going to go wash the feet of your enemies. That's how you win in the kingdom. And you can't put that on me. Because if I were building a kingdom, it wouldn't look like that. My kingdom, kiss the ring or suffer the consequences. <laughs> that's how men work. Come on. Right? That's just, that's how we build. Fear, intimidation, ruling over somebody else. We call it a lot of different things. Respect, credit, whatever. The Lord does not work that way. He said, you take all that. My kingdom doesn't work that way. That's what he told Pilate. He said, if my kingdom were like your kingdom, my disciples would have swords fighting in the street for me. But my kingdom's not like the kingdoms of this world. Okay. Let me see if I can finish up this, this quote here. So when I was talking in the kingdom, you live by dying, you rise by going low, you receive by giving. The list of these logical contradictions seems endless. In other words, have you ever felt like, let me just ask for myself, and maybe those watching, you can answer this. There are so many times where I'm like, do I have a single thought that even lines up with the kingdom of God? <laughs> right? I mean, I want to give someone a piece of my mind, and God's like, you, you can't afford to give them a piece. Just keep it all to yourself. God, I really just want to, you know, cuss somebody out. No, just you, you're wrong. You know, God, I feel like if I could just figure this out by myself, I'd be okay. You won't be. You've got to rely on my strength. Come on. I've got the path set before you. Trust me. Yeah. But these contradictions reveal the kingdom. They reveal the heart of God. So God is always good. If, if it's not good, it's not God. That just means we got to go back to the drawing table, look again, and see what we've missed. So Jesus is the standard. He's the first and final word. Let me end it with this, and then we're done. I told you I wouldn't take too long today. Less than 30 minutes, man. Man, proud of myself. So Matthew 1 is when we have the natural introduction to Jesus. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But you go into John 1... And you find that he was the first word. John 1 starts a whole different way. In the beginning was the word. So this goes back pre-Genesis. We actually have no idea if you tried to attach time to John 1, what kind of time we're talking about because it's dealing with things that are timeless. When you talk about eternity, you don't have to talk about past, present, and future. I've heard some people say, this is interesting to ponder, eternity is past, present, and future all at once. 
You don't have to think about going backwards or forwards because eternity it all is. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you keep going down the verses, and you realize it's talking about Jesus. So before, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, in the beginning was the Word. And since Jesus is the exact image of his Father, and he existed before all things were created then every time we meet God throughout the Old Testament and through the Old Covenant, we must view him through the Word. But now because of how time works, we look back because we have to look through the cross to see the image. But nevertheless, nevertheless, we have the Word. So I want to encourage you on this Back to Church Sunday... Probably one of the, the most excitable ways for you to want to get reengaged in church is to understand who God is. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's not mad at you. He's obsessed with you. He loves you unconditionally, right? He, he's not your enemy, never has been. And if you believed in a day in your life, you were wrong. And that's okay. If someone told you that, they were wrong. And if it wasn't me directly, I'll still apologize on their behalf. They were wrong. And you know what? What I found most of the time, we just didn't know any better. Didn't know any better, right? Hurt people hurt people. When we're confused, we pass on the confusion. I just, I'm ready for a church that has the guts to say it. I was wrong and I've learned some things. Now, can I well, you're willing to give me another chance, right? <laughs> He's better than I ever thought. Listen, the days I believed he was my enemy were just as miserable. Loving, you guys know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one in here? There were days I loved God, but was afraid. Afraid to love him. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, let me, let me see if I get one or two amens here. Okay, dominion for most of our history has been a very prophetic house. There were times on the way to church, I would pray and say, Lord, if there's any sin in my life that I forgot to repent of, cleanse me of it now because I know when I walk in that door, someone's going to read my prophetic mail and I don't want all my junk out there in the open. Are y'all hearing me? I'm just being honest with you right now. That's what I mean by I loved him, but I was afraid. Because somewhere in my heart, I thought God would lay out all my junk in front of everybody to teach me a lesson. But then you realize that's not who God is. And Jesus, the only people Jesus resisted were the religious who claimed they were better than everybody else and the educated who claimed they didn't need to learn anything from him. Everybody else, he's like, forgiven, healed, come eat with me. You're going to be with me in, in the kingdom. We're good. So I just want to encourage you, God is better than we think. And just when we think he's really good, he's better than that. And we think he's really awesome. He's more awesome, awesomer. Is that a word? So I just want to encourage you, give him a chance again. Open up your heart again. Let him love you afresh. It's worth it. It's worth it.
Lord, I just thank you for this time today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that these words, they're, they're not just words, but they're spirit and that they're life. Lord, let them be encouragement. Let them be a seed sown or that our hearts can receive. Lord, I just thank you now for a fresh response to your love. A fresh response to your love. A lot of times we put the focus on us confessing and calling out to you. But right now, Lord, I just pray that the ears of our heart will be open and we can hear you calling out to us. We can hear you calling out to us. In, in the moments of our greatest weakness, in, the, in the, the places in our hearts and souls that we would say, that's the darkest place. Jesus is not afraid. He's not offended. But he wants you all to himself. And so I just thank you for that, the peace that comes with that, the, the joy, the kingdom manifestation, that righteousness, peace, and joy, knowing that I'm a beloved son and a beloved daughter of a good father. And there's nothing I can do to add to that or take away from it. That you accept me, you receive me. And from that place of identity, peace and joy are my portion. Lord, I thank you for all these things now, decree them by faith in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Facebook again. Thank you so much. Like and share this. Help us get in front of more people. YouTube, God bless you. The podcast experience, we love you. Come see us one of these Sundays. We'd love to have you. We'll see you next week.